you, uh, you have to be ready for the, the ups and the downs. Amen? Uh, because we had probably about as many people in the nursery Sunday as we have here in church tonight. Matter of fact, uh, the people working in the nursery would vouch for the fact that we definitely had as many. There were 20 kids in the nursery and six people, six ladies that were helping in the nursery. And I'm sure those six are not at church tonight. And so probably never coming back again. But uh, we had, uh, so it was an amazing day. It really was an amazing day. And it was, it, it, fortunately, I had to deal with this a long time ago. Those, it, when I first started working with the uh, military ministry, we'd have those high days and a bunch of guys got saved and men they going down the aisle and baptisms and everything. And, and boy, I would just be sky high, just, whoo, this is incredible. And the next weekend we'd have, you know, 14 guys and nobody got saved and, and I would be down in the valley in the pit and uh, just in despair, thinking, what has happened? God left me. Why did it happen? And then I found out, you know what? That's life. This is just the roller coaster of life. And, uh, and I started, uh, one time we went up to the base, and we were working so hard, we had, uh, I think we had about 70 guys that were out on the buses getting ready to drive away. And um, right as we were getting ready to drive away, the security from the base, now we were off base, but security from the base came outside the gate to our buses and uh, came out and told all the boys they had to get off that they could not go with us. So I just had 70 fellas that were going to ride down and go to church with me, you come play ball, listen, you know, chapel service. Normally out of 70, we would have somewhere 25, 30 guys get saved. And, uh, I mean, we're moments away from pulling away, and they just yanked every one of them off the bus. And I'd been learning, been growing, and so one of my fellas came up to me. He came running up to me frantic. I wasn't actually at the bus at the time they were doing it. And he came running up to me, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I looked at him, I said, you know what I've learned? The best thing to do in this situation? He said, what? I said, I'm going to walk right down there to that little ice cream shop, and I'm going to get me a milkshake. And I'm going to sit down and I'm going to enjoy that milkshake. And he just stared at me. And I looked at him and I said, you'll learn, son. Ain't nothing we can do about it. We're just going to go down here. We're going to drink a milkshake. This is in God's hands. Amen. And so uh, that's kind of the way it is. It really is. Um, the youth rally. I'm going to give moms and dads, if you're in here, an opportunity. I'm going to kind of give you the schedule. You have about uh, 20 minutes or so to decide if you want that schedule. And so, uh, but we're going to leave somewhere around uh, probably 5.15 tomorrow. So need the kids to be here about 5.15, a little before that, something like that. I don't think it's an absolute time. They're going to be eating when we get there. We can go there, enjoy the meal. Service doesn't start till 7, goes to 9. At 9 o'clock, they're going to have an activity, and that activity is, my understanding, is going to go to about midnight, uh, roller skating and midnight. So now, if you, um, I, you know, if you don't want your children to go and be there until midnight, uh, you have to let me know that, so decide that before we have our little meeting at the end of this. Uh, if you would prefer that not to happen, and we can try to figure out something, uh, I'll be more than glad to drive them home. And so, uh, 
uh, which means I get to come home. Anyway, and then the ones that go skating, then uh, Susan will go skating with them. And so, no, uh, actually, I, I enjoy skating, and I'll go that. This Saturday, I mean, the Thursday night's not the problem for me. It's Friday uh, when you have to get up, and, and it starts. We'll have to meet here at regular school time, 8.15. We're going to try to leave about 8.30 probably, drive over there. Everything to, on Saturday, I mean, Friday starts at around 9.30, I think, 9.15, 9.30. That's when the preaching starts. Again, they're having breakfast, but we didn't, we're not going to go to that. We go straight over there, and uh, that'll go to about uh, 1.00 or 12, then they'll have lunch, and then at 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock, there's an activity. Again, that activity, what I've, uh, Ms. Susan told me, is they're going to take all the kids and go to Bass Pro Shop. Um, you know, me and my wife to walk around Bass Pro Shop and look at stuff I can't buy and then maybe go to the real restaurant, that's okay. I'm not sure what it's going to be like to have 300 teenagers running around Bass Pro Shop. Um, so, I, you know, we may give some thought about that um, because otherwise we'll probably be picking your kids up at the police department for shoplifting. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, and then we, it all starts back about, um, I think, 5.30, 6 o'clock, something like that, a meal, and then the, everything will conclude about 9 o'clock Friday night. So that kind of gives you an idea of what we're going to do and uh, this to make sure who's going to go, who's not going to go, that kind of thing. We'll meet very, very briefly. Um, so I just want to give you that heads up. To, what I'm going to speak about tonight, and, uh, and, and I think it's very important, um, and the truth is, I, I, you know, I'm going to go in, I don't usually do this, but I really feel impressed. I almost did it tonight, but, but I'm going to wait and may do it Sunday morning, Sunday night, but if you speak to anybody, this Sunday, I really, they need to be there. Me, we've, we've got a lot of families, a lot of people going through a lot of heartache. Um, there's, I mean, right now, tonight, there's spaces in these pews that would be taken up tonight, except we got some very, very good people that are sick, and they're very sick. And so um, I, I'm going to uh, speak about that this, this weekend and, uh, and I, I really want to be an encouragement to you. Uh, and so just to, just to put that, you know, think about that, maybe encourage whoever you can to get here. What I'm going to talk about tonight is the great enemy to the, to the family and to the home. The great enemy to the family and to the home. And I know our, we've been kind of a series on prayer, and actually this is very directly connected to prayer but what we're talking about, and, and honestly, this is not uh, what we think, you know, the great enemy is sometimes it would be, forgive me, you know, it, it might be uh, pornography in the home or, or drugs or, or, the, or music or lust or something, uh, anger or bitterness or those things entering the home. And I'm, uh, what I'm going to talk about tonight is something that's very subtle and that the great enemy that I see in the homes, the Christian homes of America uh, today, and I'll be honest with you, this is a, what you call a preventative message, not a break, uh, breakdown message, if you understand what I'm talking about. You know, there's preventative maintenance and there's breakdown maintenance. This is purely preventative because those of you that are here, I believe you're here because this is really not a problem. But, you know, uh, any of us, these kind of things can become 
a problem if we're not careful, if we don't keep doing what we were doing. And so, but the real enemy is apathy. The real enemy is apathy and apathy, apathy towards God, his word, and his ways. It's apathy. And I'm going to be very short, concise tonight, but, you know, I, there's a few men of the Bible that as I look at them, I realize they were not apathetic toward God. Abraham, the Bible says, was a friend of God. Can you imagine that? To be said to be a friend of God. For God to say you're a friend of God, that's somebody that must burn pretty hot toward God. There's Moses that said, spoke to God face to face as a friend speaketh to a friend. That again is, is beyond my comprehension that God allowed this one man to speak to him face to face as a friend speaketh to a friend. And, and I understand Moses is a unique man that God chose and God can choose, but, but there's had to be some, something burning inside of, of Moses to, to want to have that type of a, a relationship with God. One of my very favorites and one when I walk and pray, I often talk to, although I list every one of these and I'm going to mention to you to God often as I pray, but one of them is Enoch. Enoch, the Bible says, walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. I don't know if you, you, you know, and I know for the young people, that you probably can't even fathom this, but as the older you get, that's kind of like a, almost a dream, a prayer. I mean, if you're going to be taken by God, what an incredible time to be taken by God while you're walking with him. My old preacher, a long, long time ago, 30 years ago or so, he said, he said, you know, what happened here is he said, Enoch walked with God, and he walked with him so much and so long. He said, one night, they just got to walk in, and they walked so far that the Lord just looked at him and said, you know, Enoch, you're closer to my home than you are to yours. Why don't you just come home with me? And, and, and you know, there had to be something in this life of Enoch there had to be something different than everybody else because God didn't take everybody else. Everybody else didn't walk with God like this. Only Enoch. Even David, in, his, in his, all of his failures, it says David was a man after God's own heart. He just, that, that again, just to, to, and often I'll praise it, dear God, I, I want to know your heart. And, of course, he's revealed his heart to us in this book. But I, I just, Lord, I really want to know you and your heart. And, and even to John, when John in the New Testament, he speaks, John so often speaks of how he knew God loved him. You know, you think, well, oh, we all know God loves us. No, I, this is different. We all know God loves us. John knew God loved him. He said, I'm the one that Jesus loved. He, know, he knew it. And that's an amazing thing when you just can walk and talk in confidence to God saying, I know he loves me. I know he does. Do we know God? As God and Savior, yes, but do we know him as father and friend? I want you to go now to the text verses, Proverbs 18, 1 and 2. It's really just 18.1 that we're going to look at immediately, but 
just this one verse tonight, and and again, uh, it's a it's it's very very simple message. But we're going to break down this little verse. It says verse eighteen one. It says through desire, a man having separated himself seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Now, verse 2 says, A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. And, and so often we look at verses, especially in Proverbs, and we think like they uh, feel like they're not c- connected. But the truth is, these two verses, uh, they are so directly connected. And, and so this is, Through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Well, the first thing we want to understand uh, all wisdom, that's God. All wisdom is God's word. All wisdom is God. So if we're going to know all wisdom, there's only one place to know all wisdom. There's only one place to get wisdom, but all wisdom, that's got to be God. And so we're gonna, this says that I can intermeddle with God. And so look at, first we're just going to break it down. It says through desire. Desire is a long for exceedingly, intensely yearned for. Uh, it's described in, in Psalm 63, 1 through 8. It says, as David says, a Psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power. You know, he's saying in this world that I live in, it's a dry and thirsty land where no water is. He said, in this world I live in, I thirst for you. I long for you, God. He says, to see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. You know, it's, not, it's no problem lifting up your hands, amen? I mean, if you really want to praise God, he says, I'll lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. Listen to this. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. Can I tell you, this is convicting to me because when I go to bed, I don't remember anything much. I'm telling you, it, it, it has, it, God really has to do something to wake me up to prayer. You say, well, when I, when, I've heard people say, whenever I wake up at some early hour, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning, when, I, I just know God wants me to pray. Let me help you, folks. When I wake up at 3, in the four, three or 4 o'clock in the morning, I don't know anything. I really don't. It, I have to get a little bit more woke up before I can even realize why I've been woke up. It's hard for me. And I think, my goodness. He said, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. And I love that, in the shadow of thy wings. I just, I love it every time I read about it and think about it and pray about it. And that's one of the prayers that I pray for all of my children, my grandchildren, my sons-in-law. I pray, dear God, keep them under your wings. My soul, listen to this, my soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. He says, I'm following hard after thee. I desire thee so bad. Now listen to this statement, and God works this out in this passage. But what we desire 
is what we will separate ourselves to seek. Anything that you want really bad, you will do what it takes to get it. You know, it, it, honestly, the, 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 the athlete, he will come, and, and when he comes down to conditioning, he couldn't give up that chocolate. He couldn't give up those milkshakes. He couldn't give up those Cokes. He couldn't give up all that stuff. But now it's conditioning time, and he's got an opportunity to excel or to be first string, and it's amazing. All of a sudden, no, I don't want that. No, I can't have that. Why? Because he desires this thing, and it drives him. It drives him to seek it. But before he even seeks it, he has to separate himself. Again, you go back to athletics. You know, the, the guys who were going to play ball, play, when I was playing ball, everybody else at 3 o'clock, 3.15, they're loading up and going home. There was about 100 of us back then, maybe. No, I guess not in Germantown. There was probably about 70, I guess. About 70 of us that would separate ourselves to go to the gym. And when we went there, we went to seek. We went to seek to be better, stronger, faster. I went to Memphis, Memphis State. I weighed 167 pounds, six foot tall. I was a strong safety. I was too small for a strong safety. And worse than that, I was too slow for a strong safety. So they moved me to weak side defensive end. Now, you have to understand, in major college football, when you are six foot tall, and weigh 100, even in the 70s, you weigh 167 pounds, that's not the place to be in the line up there around all these guys that outweigh you about 100 pounds. But that's where they put me. Well, I, I, um, I was sort of intense kind of guy. In other words, I like to hurt people. And so, uh, and man, they were trying to kill me, and, and I went through three straight days where they, I was on the fifth string defense. Now, that's how deep they were. I was fifth string. You don't go any lower than that. There was no other string out there. But they put the fifth string defense against the first string offense, and, uh, and they didn't give me arm pads. They didn't give me anything because I just walked up here from my strong safety position, and I'm up here with no, none of the pads that you have. And do you any ladies understand this at all? Okay, God bless you. And so I don't have any of the arm pads. I don't have any of these things to go on. And so I've got these, these guard. We had this all-conference guard that – Came around one time, he pulled around, and he came, and I was, I was coming up to try to, to turn it in, and he hit me right under my chin with his helmet. He just, bam, right here. And I had a double chin strap like this, and it, 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 it didn't snap. It disintegrated. He went, bam, and I went, and I was so stunned. I'm standing in the line trying to snap it back, and it wouldn't go back because it was all, it just disintegrated. It was gone. And that's the way they, they were trying to kill me. They were trying to get rid of me. They were just, you know, just get him out of here. He's too small, too slow for this. We put him here and try to kill him. I'm playing this, and, 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 and after a week or two, I'm playing this fifth-string defense, and they, had a, they handed off to the fullback. And how I slipped by the block, I don't know, because I got a big old tackle and tight end and all this stuff trying to block. I kind of cut in between them. I hit the fullback and separated his shoulder. And I looked down at him and I said, I hate myself. No, I didn't. And so, and man, they, they, they went and, and, and so they get this guy out of there. And he's first string, 
first string fullback and they take him away. And so they're next day we're out there, first uh, fifth string defense going against the first string offense, all except one, <laughs> because he's gone. And so they threw a pass to the tight end. The tight end, I can still remember his name, won't call his name, but he went out here in the flats for the weak side defensive end. I'm supposed to cover that. I ran out there. As soon as he caught the ball, I hit him, and I broke his arm. Yeah. And I hate myself. And so I was out there, and it seemed like third day. I don't know. It could have been another day in that week. I could have been another week. I don't know, but I'm out there, and I'm at my position. And the quarterback took off running. Again, I could call his name. He took off running. He went around sweeping around the, the left, uh, his right end and my left end. He's going around that end. And I'm supposed to trail, and I don't know anything about trailing. So I started cutting back across here so I could get to him. And I came flying across there. By the time he got there, he cut against the grain. He went turn, and he's going to break back against the grain. When he did, my helmet was the grain. And I ran the top of my head through his chin. It was legal back then. And so... Boom, I hit him, and he was out before he hit the ground. He just, he's there, his old eyes roll back in his head, and I'm standing on top of him. And about that time, a big old guy grabbed me and jerked me up, and he was, I started to call his name. I don't want to call anybody's name. I'm down here where they might know him. And so, um, but he jerked me up, and he was, this old boy, he was a big old linebacker, fifth-string linebacker. He could bench press 450 pounds even way back then. He was massive, and, and he, but he was dumb as a brick. He really was. And so he grabbed me by my face mask, and he starts going, way to go, hook, poo, way to go, hook, poo. And I'm going, stop it, man, you know. And uh, he turned me loose, and then somebody else grabbed me, and this time it was the coach. Coach pulled me up to him, and he started screaming at me. He said, son, that's my quarterback. What do you think you're doing? I thought, that's a dumb question. I'm playing football. And he looked at me and he said, son, that's my quarterback. And I looked at him and I said, I'm trying to get a scholarship. See, I didn't go on scholarship. I was a walk-on. And you know what he told me that day? He looked at me real close and he said, why didn't you just ask me for one? He sent me in, wouldn't even let me finish practicing. And that day, he called me in to his office. He came in from practice. I came in from practice. Everybody else is still out in practice. He calls me into his office after I shower and change. I walked in. He looked at me, and he said, get all your gear, and you're moving into the athletic dorms. And I was excited, man. I got a scholarship because you move in the athletic dorms. You got a scholarship. And I smiled, and he said, hey, I'm not saying you're any good. And I thought, well, that's nice. And he looked at me, and I still remember, he said, I just got to do something before you kill everybody. <laughs> now, can I tell you what that is? Desire. Desire. And I don't know if you understand this, but when I got saved at 20 years of age, if I was going to desire to excel at football, at boxing, at whatever I was doing, if I was going to desire and do whatever it took to be good, to go long, to go hard, to work out, to learn, to grow. At that weak side defensive end of position, they said, you know what, we're going to actually play you here. But you've got to gain weight. 
three and a half weeks, I gained 30 pounds. And it wasn't just fat. I, got, I went up in my speed in those three and a half, half weeks. I went up four inches in my chest in those three and a half weeks. I got stronger, working like a maniac. I'd sit at the lunch table, have five double cheeseburgers at every lunch. I would have three steaks every supper, and they gave me a half gallon of milk to drink at supper and a half gallon of milk I had to drink before I went to bed mixed with protein supplement. You said, that's crazy. It is unless you want it that bad. And I wanted it. And I said, dear God, when he saved me, if I'm going to give that much for a football game, I'm going to give you everything of this old boy that I got. I'm giving it to you. And I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm not as talented. I don't have the abilities. I don't. I started out way behind. Most people went to Bible college. I had a man, a preacher, tell me one time, I I looked at him, and honestly, I said to him, because he was a guy that started out pretty young preaching, and I said, why did I have to be so late in even finding out about this? I was was 20 before I got saved. I was almost 24 before I even got, or 23, when I got in church, and and I said, and I was almost 27 when I went to Bible college. I wasn't 18. I said, why did I start so late? And here's what he said. He said, Bob, don't think about how late you started. He said, the truth is, if you want to be encouraged, he said, sad, sad thing, but you can think about how many people you passed. And you know, I got to thinking, there's a whole lot of people that started out, grew up in Christian home, and they weren't doing anything. They were quitting college. They were giving up. The scripture says, desire. Through desire, what we desire is what we will separate ourselves to seek. Separated means to divide, to make a division, to make a separation. You know what, the reason I said this is preventive, you that are here tonight, you are, I mean, it, it was almost humorous when you're making an announcement about getting involved in something. Everybody here is involved in something. We're all doing something. We're all working and, and, and doing something. Listen, you have separated yourself because you desire something for your family. You desire something for your life. You desire something for your marriage. You desire to serve God. So you've separated yourself. And watch this. When you're willing to separate, even to come to Wednesday night service, when you're willing to separate yourself to come to a Wednesday night service to listen to old God, get up here and talk one more time. Listen to me. With this way, God says, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. And if thou seek him with all thine heart and with all thy soul, God said, separate yourself to seek him. And watch this, and you'll find him. And then I'll be done with this. He says, and intermeddleth. And then, honestly, for many years, I'd just read that, and I would think that, that somehow it was like intermingle, like somehow it would mesh and meld us. And I looked up the definition of it, and God really spoke to my heart. It said to lay bare, to humble yourself and your will to God. 
what I believe is really saying is something that God taught me the first time I ever fasted for an extended period of time. The Lord said, if you really desire, and that first fast, I, I just had come to the point, God, I've, I feel like I've plateaued, I've stagnated, I can't live this way. I've got to know you better. I desired. And so what I did was is that I separated myself from the table. God told me to do it, so I'm not just telling you do it. I didn't decide this. God told me to stop eating until he told me to again. But, but I separated myself from the table. And, and over the next 30 days in that, in that fast, I didn't eat uh, food. And, 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 and I separated myself from meal after meal after meal. I sat with my family while they ate the meal. But I separated myself. And, and I didn't touch that food that as I was sitting with my family while we ate. And for 30, 30 days, and, and I separated. And, and as I was doing that, I wasn't just to, be, to eliminate food. It was to seek God. It was to know God. It was to get closer to God. Because I wanted to know Him in a, in a, in a, a greater way. And, and what happened was that God, like I was a, like I was a spiritual onion, he began to peel away layers from me. Layers of pride, I'll be honest with you. Layers of pride that I never knew I had. Layers to a depth that, that I never even understood. And God began to strip away in me. And he taught me the reason we don't seek God. Now, Proverbs 18.1 tells us how to seek him through desire. A man will separate himself and, and seek and intermeddle with all wisdom. You will come, when you seek God, it'll come to a point where you're like a little baby that's born, uh, that's born naked and, and has no power of his own, no hope of existence of his own, and, but has a, a daddy pick him up and hold him and protect him. And God says, that's really what I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody so submissive and so yielded to me, you're like a little baby that's defenseless. And then he taught me, why don't we seek God that way? And you find it in 18.2, Proverbs 18.2. A fool hath no delight in understanding but look what it says, but that his heart may discover itself. You see, in our pride, we don't seek God. We seek our own desire. We seek our own mind. We seek our own way. Psalm 10, 4 says, The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. It's very simply his pride. What is our desire? Do you desire it enough to separate yourself from others, from temptations, from the world, from food, from whatever it is to know God? For we either seek him or we seek ourselves. And we're in a world right now, even a Christian world that seeks themselves. That's it. And they'll tell you they believe the word of God. 
But please, let's don't get there. Well, yeah, I believe the word of God, but. And what's the but mean? But I don't agree. It's not what I think. It's not what I want. We were talking about um, the, sort of the call into a ministry, the different things. And I told Brother Allen, I said, you know, so many people, they'll say emotionally, oh, I, I, I just, I have such a peace. God wants me to do this. Can I tell you? That's not the way God's ever moved in my life. Because honestly, our flesh, our desires usually to do what we think will benefit us. I didn't go to Bible college because I had a peace about it. God said, go on that Sunday night, Monday morning, I resign my job. Can I tell you, I cried all the way driving up there. It wasn't a peace. It was a compelling. I had to do what God wanted, not what I wanted. Folks, that's what we, that's our preventative medicine for tonight. Do what God wants. And you say, but boy, I feel like God's wanting me to do this, but that's going to be hard. Guess what? He's there. He'll get you through. If he compels you to do it, he will never ask you to do something he will not enable you to do. So, that's my little lesson. Through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. Let's pray, and if we'll just take a moment together to pray. If you would like to come to an altar, if you'd like to.